Hello and welcome to Third Time's a Charm, the show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise. This is episode 31, Star Wars, episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, and I'm your host, once again, Darth Mike, the Dark Lord of the Podcast. Welcome officially to the final year of Third Time's a Charm, which technically started March 3rd, so we're still a month early with that anniversary, but just a reminder, that does mean this show is ending next March 2021. But don't fret just yet, because we've got a lot of content before the end, such as this episode. Today, I'm joined once again by my leaf brother, foodie Jedi Kyle Reinfried. Kyle was on the Return of the Jedi episode, and will eventually be on the Return of Skywalker show. What's fun about Star Wars is there are three part threes, because technically there are three trilogies. So I'm taking full advantage of this fuzzy math with this show. The second part three in the franchise, but the one that comes chronologically first. Now this episode, Kyle and I can't possibly cover everything going on in this super jam-packed CGI fest of a feature film, but we do touch upon what works best for us and what doesn't. Plus, we go a little bit into the prequel trilogy in general, as well as the expanded Star Wars universe at large. So without any further ado, grab a lightsaber, jump in a spaceship, and watch out for those clone troopers, because it's time for Revenge of the Sith. I am back here with my leaf brother, Kyle. Welcome back to Third Time's a Charm. How are you, man? Good. What's going on? Good to be back. It's been a while. I don't think you've been back here since the last Star Wars when we were talking Return of the Jedi, so... I know. I haven't been back. It's it's you and Brian. <laughs> That's right. I, I sort of uh, commandeered your co-host from PSI Love Hoffman for a few <laughs> shows there. I hope you don't mind, but he's just so good at it. Yeah, no, that's uh, I, I, I love listening to him, so... Well, we are here tonight, you know, this might not... I don't know, I'm, I'm interested tonight, we are here to talk about Episode 3. Revenge of the Sith. Yes, uh, uh, Episode 3 Revenge of... Star Wars Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith. Now, you might be wondering, like, what's going on? We already talked about the third Star Wars movie, but this is the second third Star Wars movie. And named number three, so... Yes, the one that is actually third in the series proper order. And we are on the verge of a third part three coming out soon with Rise of the Skywalker. So I thought it would just be fun that, you know, over the course of the show, we would talk about all of the third Star Wars movies. And I do it with my leaf brother Kyle here, because there's really no one else I know around as uh, knowledgeable about Star Wars as you. Oh, you flatter me, Michael. But it is true. It is true. So I guess to start off the show, I just want to know, um, what are your general feelings about the prequels? I'm, I'm not sure I know entirely how you feel about these movies. We don't really discuss them too much. So uh, can you give me a little brief history about that? Maybe that's like the thing right there. We don't discuss them much. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy them. I actually, so you know, like as I'm like, I won't say what, but there was another movie we were maybe going to talk or whatever mm-hmm. but just recently because i am a disney plus subscriber i watched revenge 
of the Sith out of the three prequel options. I just happened to uh, choose to watch that one, not even thinking like in the near future we were going to be talking about it. So my history, 1999 Phantom Menace comes out, and I am in sixth grade, so however old you are then... 12, I guess? I don't know, something like that. I like it. You could say that I, I loved it because I was a kid. Yeah. And sure, was Jar Jar even then like, oh, this is a lot. Like, for, for, forget, you know, politically incorrect and is maybe j- some stuff Jar like Jarring? That. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know, there's a lot of great things in that first movie. I still, I always kind of go back and forth on which is my least favorite of the prequels, but there's some, I mean, there's some, number one, there's just some good things about the prequels, and I think the worst thing is probably, especially in Revenge of the Sith, the, what they were doing, I know they were doing blue screen for it, not green screen, because mm-hmm. of, like, the most of the colors they were using, because there was a lot of green in it? I don't know, I just remember it being blue screens. A lot of earth screens. tones, a lot of greens, a lot of, earth, a lot of yeah, greens. I love the, I love the earth tones, and... And we might be going back to Endor in Rise of Skywalker. True, true. But anyway, yeah, so definitely, especially because this one is the first movie ever to be shot fully digital. That's some fun facts for you right there. And so as far as, like, the look, like, it's so overly CGI. But, you know, the like, the first one, and even, like, the second one, they used some real real locations. I actually even... uh, had been to one in like in Seville, Spain. They, I think, pardon Naboo is there. You know, he was going to Tunisia still. Uh-huh. Yep. You know, some relocations. I mean, we're getting an Obi One uh, TV show on Disney Plus. Like by far, Ewan McGregor. I'd say Ewan McGregor and the music of the prequels are the best things about the prequels. Yeah. So I mean, as far as like in 1999, I I remember it was. It's the first movie ever I saw multiple times in theaters. Because obviously, I mean, I was still a kid, so I really didn't have much of a choice beforehand, I guess so. So I saw it three times in theaters episode. Okay. And then each movie from that, I've, I've kind of, every Star Wars movie that's come out, I've seen three times in theaters. Uh, that's kind of my lucky number, so third time's a charm, yeah. <laughs> but then, so it sounds like you kind of like the prequels. Like, I mean, why don't why don't we talk about them? Why are they sort of like, why uh, do we put them in a closet on the top sh- shelf and like, you know, only bring them out once a year to sort of, uh, when a new Star Wars movie comes out to use as a comparative? When I look at these movies, it's like, oh, this is, this is sort of out of control, overwhelming, over the top, like the extreme, whereas like, I like stuff like the new Mando series, which is like the antithesis, which is like pulling it all back, bare bones. Yeah, back just to basics. Back yeah. to basics kind of stuff. And I will agree that there's there's some fun here. I love Obi-Wan. I love Ewan McGregor. And I almost wish that we started with the second movie. Yes. You know, and that, that first movie was sort of never really existed, or at least just in part. Because uh, it, it just, it's, it's very... The prequels for me just are very overwhelming. They're very long. They're not very engrossing. And there's just very few moments of like really great action mixed in there, which is really jarring sometimes. <laughs> so so what is it over time? Like, was it just that they got sort of like more over the top? Or is it just that over the years they sort of rub, rubbed you the wrong way? Like, when did it become sort of like not as much fun? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, the old older I got, again, since they were coming out when I was a kid, like, I mean, you know, that's, 
I was already a fan of the original trilogy, but even as much as I was a fan, I wasn't, lack of a better word, I'll call myself like a student of those films now, a Padawan perhaps. You know, the older I got, the more like, it was just like, yes, these are overly complicated, plus they just complicated like the continuity of a lot. Like the good thing that you got going on pretty much in like the successful franchises out out there right now, which let's just call it MCU and Star Wars, you have the kid fans, like the nerd fans, grown up and they know everything and they want to keep up with this continuity. Mm-hmm. And they're bringing fun little things back in. Like George Lucas, I, you know, by one starting this like new prequel trilogy, he's just a more like, I, I think he kind of lost his like inner kid. And although the first one does, you know, like... It, he 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 reached to kids in the wrong way. He was like, you know, like that awesome bad guy from the first trilogy. Yes, he did have a redemption, but like, let's show him as a kid and then as like a whiny teenager. And yes, Luke was whiny, but I don't know. There just needed to be something that separated, you know, I mean, Luke doesn't go bad. He becomes good. So maybe like, I, I don't know, but you needed something between different between Anakin, and Luke, and then even Boba Fett, like they end up making him like, you know, he's, so he's not a Mandalorian. Then there's a whole clone army of him and he keeps a clone for himself. And like, we're going to see Boba Fett as a kid and like, ah, gotcha. Yeah. And like do, doing just like really bad things in, in Attack of the Clones. And then this movie, I mean, the worst thing about Revenge of the Sith is the acting. And and that <laughs> and that comes from well maybe I should say the worst thing is the dialogue. But Star Wars movies never have that great a dialogue. And so besides Harrison Ford like in the end of the day like truly like becoming like creme de la creme of actors, you know, it's like Mark Hamill has had a fantastic career, Car- late Carrie Fisher had, you know, like a great career but like in not like i don't know just like conquering the silver screen kind of way so i I, i'm not gonna say it's because that the original trio is better actors and obviously you have some great actors in this prequel trilogy i mean you got freaking academy award winner natalie portman you've got samuel L. jackson you have liam neeson you have ewan mcgregor Hayden Christensen. But yeah, well, even Hayden Christensen, what's that movie? Uh, Shattered Glass. Shattered Glass. Yeah. Like, he, he's good in that. I, yeah, no, I agree. Zero chemistry between Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen. It's very difficult looking back and watching episode three for me this time because everything is so stilted. Everything is so on the nose. Everything is just like hitting you over the head with a hammer. You know, I think of Natalie Portman's line where she's like, so this is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause. And it's like, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. I'm going to die. And it's like, you know, Obi-Wan being like, she's lost the will to live. Yeah, but I mean, even lines <laughs> as bad as like Obi-Wan being like, don't you see that he is the one who is the evil guy? Like, you know, I'm just saying like they're doing like the script is pretty terrible. <laughs> like, It's doing a very yeah. disservice to these actors and stuff. So it's unfortunate. Like, I feel like you like you were saying a little earlier where it's like the visually, I think it's very appealing to all ages, not just children. But I think he's mostly trying to hook the kids visually. And then when they everyone opens their mouth, it becomes like a movie for 60 
year-olds like George Lucas, where it's like, oh, the senator is in trouble and there's a mutiny. And it's like, wait, what? These are not like children stories. That's, I think, part of the problem. Yeah. Phantom Menace is about a trade embargo. Like, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And this is about a coup, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you know, I mean, we've definitely d- discussed this before. And I mean, you're just saying, like, maybe just get rid of the first one general. I mean, I mean there is that machete cut out there. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, there's people that have even just trimmed down Phantom Menace into, like, a 45-minute kind of thing, like a prologue of sorts. I mean, yeah, like, I, I I never wanted to see him as a kid, per se. I think, I like, I mean, there just should have been something, like, in the opening... I, they're just not utilizing these crawls anymore. Like, even, I mean, I'm not trying to get into the, the, new, the latest trilogy, but my biggest problem with The Last Jedi is I, I don't like that it starts off pretty much right after Force Awakens. That's just not something I like in my Star Wars movies. Well, there's, like, no room for a crawl. It's, you know what I'm feeling? It felt like, like, what's the point of the crawl? Like, we know yeah, where we are. Yeah, like, utilize the crawl. Like, I mean, I don't know. It would have been similar, I guess, to the opening crawl of Empire Strikes Back, but they should have been, like, after the defeat against the, you know, against the First Order, whatever. But, like, point being, they should have utilized the crawl in these prequels and just been, like, there was always the myth of the Chosen One, and he was found, and his name is Anakin Skywalker. And then it's just, yeah. like, he you know, raised by Obi be one like i mean i you know i like the character of qui-gon uh i think he has some interesting things like he's kind of like like a hippie jedi which Mm -hmm. i come into but in the end like besides the great music and like you know like duel of fates like that whole last Mm -hmm. lightsaber battle i mean the pod race is i do like the pod race that is a fun action sequence to me. Yeah, I like that too. I mean, my favorite prequel is Attack of the Clones. Uh, I know people think that's insane. Yeah, because of the well, mostly because of the shitty Naboo scene of just like you know that that love stuff the sand it gets everywhere i mean that's the thing that i'm gonna like every one of them has like enough i guess for me to say like well it's not the worst it could be a whole lot worse i guess like i i I find a lot of part two charming i don't know i like all the obi-wan detective mystery kind of thing that they're trying to go for there yeah he goes to a diner (laughs) star wars diner Um, to see dexter jetster yeah when like all the jedi land on uh Genosis, like, and you get to see the Jedi in their numbers. That's like, oh, awesome! Like, this is what I've been like dreaming up as a kid in the heyday of the Republic and the Jedi Order. But yeah, with this one, I mean, it just ultimately, you know, I mean, it needs to have a tragic ending. But I think my my last big thing I'll say about like just, I think he should have became, and this is something again, I think we've talked about. He should have became Darth Vader at the end of Episode Two. Right. Yeah. They needed the whole this like not 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 all full suit. Darth Vader, perhaps. Mm-hmm. It could have still been, like, a mystery. I, I don't have all the answers. All I know is in the middle one when, like, all hope is supposed to be lost, that's a pretty good one for him to turn Darth Vader at that yeah. point. Yeah, I know, like, um, my friends and I at the time were definitely expecting it to end on that cliffhanger where it's like, you are, I now dub the Darth Vader credits. But yeah, it was exactly. the wedding <laughs> instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, let's get into this movie real quick in a minute. But the last thing I just kind of want to say about why I think I have like issues with these prequels is because, uh, you know, George Lucas did the whole thing that I think is referred to now as prequelitis, which you touched on a little earlier, where it's like, these aren't about where 
everyone came from, you know? It's not like the first set of Star Wars movies was um, setting up all this stuff. No, it, the first movie starts by saying this is the cha- this is chapter four, this is episode four. That's what the crawls do. And I think, like, he yeah. used these movies instead of the crawls to do things like, here's where Boba Fett came from, here's where C-3PO came from, like, here's where the movie yes. this came from. That came, and that prequelitis stuff kind of is what got in the way. If, he, if those characters were just kind of there, that's fine. But to be like, oh, here's this whole grand introduction, like R2-D2, meet the rest of the cast and crew, and all this kind of shit. And it's just like, it, yeah, it drain, it's draining, especially when they keep doing it by like the second and third movie too, because I would have thought that like they'd have listened to some backlash or, or, you know, kind of tried to go a different direction or maybe leaned back on the throttle a little bit. But Mm -hmm. judging by the way this movie opens, it's like full force. Like they're going harder than ever with like, how much crazy shit can we put on the screen? How tonally awkward can we make this battle? I mean, like, let's get into this movie in the opening battle sequence here. Like, as far as all the Star Wars battles go, like, how do you feel about this one when they're when they're trying to rescue the Chancellor and they're fighting Count Dooku? I think it's a cool opening. Like, I mean, again, not visually in the sense of how it actually looks because of the crappy green screen and CGI at this point. But as far as like, like when they were storyboarding it and, you know, like there's always like, Ooh, I wonder how the star, you know, star Wars is going to open up. Like what ship, just the original with you see one ship quickly pass over us. And then all of a sudden this ginormous one chasing after it, like, you know, you can't beat that. But you know, this one, it kind of is cool that all of a sudden we're like over Coruscant and then we're just like following these ships. And then also this giant battle is revealed to underneath us. So that, you know, I mean, that's definitely kind of cool. Like, I think the opening credits, you know, it's just like we're in the thick of it now. Yeah, you know? it's the war. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is now the Clone Wars. Well, to, to further prove what you're saying, like this, everything just like George Lucas was just like trying to flesh everything out in this movie. What was beautiful about the original is like we're getting Luke and Ben Kenobi, old Ben Kenobi, talking about stuff, and he's like, and they're saying these clone, the Clone Wars, and this, this is 1977. They're talking about Clone Wars, and there's no internet, there's no Wikipedia for you to go on and certain, mm-hmm. you know, there's no fan fiction, there's no nothing for you to find out what the Clone Wars is. But it's called the Clone Wars, and you're just like, oh shit, there's a war and there were clones involved. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. We're finally getting to like see what the like the Clone Wars was. Yeah. And so it's we've got droids, we've got the Separatists that is primarily a droid army. Then we've got uh, another one that's primarily clones, but then the generals are Jedi, it seems, for the most part. Right. Yeah. So we've got, after how many, however many adventures, and we're getting to see them on this journey, which it just seems a little silly, although Anakin is supposed to be, like, the best pilot or whatever, which we never really, besides, I mean, as a kid, he blew up that Separatist. Well, we saw uh, him as a pod racer, and yeah, the pod I didn't racer. watch most of it, but there's the whole Clone Wars television show, which I'm sure yeah. he does some amazing flying stuff and, and everything, too. Yeah, but it just seems, I mean, there's just so much shit going on, like, you're just, you're almost, like, you're really threatening the lives of, like, two of your very important Jedi. Of course, we know that they're not going to die in this opening sequence, No, but still, it just seems like kind of, like, a silly thing to do, and then they're just going after we learn that there's this guy, General Grievous, who's, I absolutely do not like whatsoever. I have grievances with Grievous. Like, what bothers me about this opening is that it sounds so clear-cut. It's like, they fly into this big battle, and the and the concept is to board a ship, rescue the Chancellor, and basically get him back to the planet. 
Dude, I read that the opening was originally, like, the, the opening battle Palpatine Rescue was ran over an hour long. Like, the original cut of this movie was four hours. This is too much. It's taking too long. Like, I'm already checking out. Like, by the time we get to Palpatine, I'm like, cool, we're off the ship? It's like, no, we have to go face General Grievous. It's like, cool, we're off the ship? No, we have to crash land the ship on the planet. It just feels like it, it can't help itself in that there's it needs to get everything in. Everything in. You know what I'm saying? Like, he can't yeah. exclude anything. Thing. I have issues, and then what ends up happening is we get to the Count Dooku fight, and I'm cool again. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what happens. It's like, I get angry, angry, and then something really awesome and cool stuff happens, and it, like, brings me back to a level where I'm like, alright, I'll give this movie, like, another chance. And then it, and then it screws me again, and something cool happens, I'm like, alright, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it, it's very up and down, like, Richter scale, like, you're just looking at, oh, he's even right, you know, recording right now, I'm looking at my wave files. Like, that's what it is when I get into you know, it's just going up and down with, like, my interests or even, like, my emotions. The last movie, for the most part, ended with Dooku versus Obi-Wan and Anakin. And let, let's just get back to that right away. Like, or just show how amazing Anakin is as a pilot and just have, like, him and Obi-Wan. Anakin is flying. He's amazing. And he's just doing, um, like, you know, awesome pilot things and gets them right onto, like, that General Grievous's main ship. Okay, so that's, okay, you're nailing it because, like, all this time, and they're not showing me how great Anakin is as a as compared to and you know what I'm saying like he's making poor choices like he's not listening to yeah he's making like, like bold moves but that doesn't make it that doesn't make you great it doesn't show him kicking ass and being cool and being like the ultimate Jedi it shows him he's just they're just these two bumbling friends like yeah yucking it up like just trying to like laugh their way through he needs which I mean you know there does need to be fun but you could still have fun like obi-wan totally like I don't like flying I don't like flying like, if he was saying that the whole time, and Anakin is just doing amazing moves and stuff like that in whatever, you know, two-person ship or even, like, a bigger ship. Like, like Obi-Wan's cool when he's like, Sith Lords are a speciality. It's like, ooh, you're a badass motherfucker. Like, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, like, 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 Obi-Wan had some sass. Right, like, that's awesome. yeah. And, and even Anakin, when he's like, last time you might have kicked my ass, but this time I'm ready for you and, I, and all that. And I, I kind of quite like, even though it looks kind of wonky when Obi-Wan gets knocked out and everything, I kind of quite, I quite like the... Uh, what goes down between Dooku, Anakin, and the Chancellor yeah. here. Like, that's a very dark, very crazy moment in Star Wars, which I think helped earn its PG-13. Sure, yeah, definitely decapitation. I mean... Well, I guess it happened. It happened in Attack of the Clones, too. But he slices both of his hands off, and he's, like, truly helpless and defenseless. It's not like, you know, when Jango Fett got his head cut off by Sam Jackson, he was, like, trying to kill him. Like, shooting fire at him. <laughs> yeah, which does confuse me as far as, like, okay, so, in the end of the day, like, Darth Vader has you know, no real limbs anymore. But, you know, like, we see him flexing his, like, robot hand, and that makes people choke, or obviously he does force pushes. Like, like, you know, Count Dooku, I, I understand he has the lightsabers on either side of his neck, but I'm just like, it's still interesting to me that, like, you know. You need to make a wave of the hand to use the force kind of idea. Yeah, like, I hear you too. I was thinking the like same that. thing this time. I was like, just because his hands are cut off, does that mean he can't, like, move stuff with yeah, his maybe, mind? Yeah, maybe no more lightning. I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. This movie in the end, or this, the, yeah, this movie, this story, like, I think, again, I think it should have happened in part two, but this movie is about an addict. Anakin is an addict, and hate is his addiction 
like huh. fear, all the stuff that the Sith are known for. Yeah. And Obi-Wan is his sponsor. And when the sponsor isn't around, he dips into the stash. And like that's like what Anakin is doing, like little by little. We even see him in Attack of the Clones, like via his hate, via his mother's death, he kills all those sand people. And then like Palpatine knows because he's been like, uh, there's just sort of been even bit more Palpatine Anakin stuff in these three episodes that like all of a sudden in episode three, it's just like, oh, they're buddy buddies now and Anakin confides like stuff to him. It's, it's just so weird because I see, is it Ian McDermott? Is that his name? Yeah, Ian Mc, he, well, Ian McDermott and he's one of the better things about this Yeah, movie. he is so good, especially in this He's one, having but, so much fun. But his character, I was thinking about before, he's such like this, he's a predator, right? Like he saw this yeah. little kid, he attached himself, he started telling him, feeding him all these ideas ever since he was a child, like whispering in his ear and he's like, you know, molding him and gassing him until like he, he was just like a paranoid person who couldn't trust anybody, especially his best friend and Mm -hmm. that's what I when we get down to the planet that's that's kind of an interesting thing I didn't really kind of pay attention to in previous screenings because I just wasn't interested I guess but now I'm just trying to figure out the dynamics between people and it's like yeah Obi-Wan is telling him what he needs to hear and Palpatine's telling him what he wants to hear you know and and it's like he knows he should listen to Obi-Wan but but if he listens to Palpatine, like he'll ha- he'll live, he you know can potentially solve this problem, which is he's he is foreseen that his wife will die in childbirth. Uh, so like that is driving his whole fear kind of thing. But like I like that I like the way you put it. It's, it's like he is an addict. It's very crazy. Yeah, like that's what it's become, and that that's what they should have spent more time on. See, did like do we get a an attack of the clones? Is there a re- does Yoda have a reaction? Do they cut to a reaction of him when sand people are dying? I'm not sure if it's then possibly. Yeah, there's definitely a moment where he senses great fear and Yeah, I think I think there is, like, you know, like an imbalance in the Force, just like how Obi-Wan felt it for Alderaan, Mm -hmm. and obviously when all the Jedi are getting killed in this one, we see Yoda drop his cane and everything like that. Yeah. And that's the one thing, I mean, you know, Yoda in Attack of the Clones becomes CGI because they decide that Yoda is going to be, you know, we're going to see him as a warrior and hopping around, which I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but it's just like, obviously now, like, they would have done a better job of puppetry mixed with you know just i mean like steven spielberg got it right with like jurassic park like he mixed the (laughs) two together like for the most part perfectly personally i think it's beneath yoda to uh jump around like that with a lightsaber so i just feel like he's way he he would have a different sort of method i have very complex feelings about that when he starts jumping around and everything because it just doesn't feel necessary it makes him look and seem weaker than i was expecting like i I always thought he would just be more the kind of guy who would like float there with a force shield around him and like use his powers and just not need a lightsaber or you couldn't just get near him but i was a little surprised about how they sort of depowered Yoda in my mind. In this one, when he's just like, in exile, I must go. It's just like, really? At least it makes more sense when he's fighting Palpatine in this one than it did fighting Dooku, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, in Dooku, he only loses because Dooku knows that he, like, in the end, although Jedi aren't supposed to have, like, attachments, like, technically by Jedi code, like, Yoda even broke that then because then he saved Anakin and Obi-Wan from, like, that big, whatever, beam or whatever falling on them, like, he should have just gotten Dooku right then. 
that's that's what the Sith know that the Jedi are gonna do the right thing, but like it's weird because like you don't even really need Yoda in these movies, like especially if you have a character like Sam Jackson who feels like the stand-in for Yoda for most of this, where you have like this very quiet, strong presence, you know, and it's yeah. like a new presence, and this is a new thing, and he's barely in these things too, and he ends up getting his ass kicked and like thrown out of a fucking window. I'm like Sam Jackson's gonna get his ass kicked. That's like I don't, I just don't buy it. Yeah, I, I remember reading, because this is, you know, still, like, the early days of the internet, and in the sense of, like, you know, now, like, we have, obviously, like, Wikipedia and everything like that, but, like, I remember, like, reading in, like, probably EW Magazine when they did a feature on it, and it's, like, Mace Windu is the greatest, like, warrior, while, like, Yoda is, he's the wise one, and then, like, Mace Windu is, like, the most, like, cunning warrior. They should have been a tag team of sorts or oh, something that'd have been like cool. that. I don't know, like, something like a, a yin-yang kind of thing but yeah like that's what mace window should have been like the warrior part of it it just gets a a little too much and just to go back to this initial you know encounter it is it is cool in the sense like you said like once they start lightsaber dueling like that's neat but like obi-wan kind of gets out of it like right away and like injured and then anakin goes on and once he cuts off the hands, then Palpatine goes like, "Kill him," you know. It's just like, and that, and that's that. But then they have this whole elevator escape routine after that, and then we meet Grievous for the first time, and it's just. It just keeps going on and on. It's like the it's like the pieces are there, the players are there, but like they're just not in the right places necessarily. Like you don't need to go right to Grievous then. Like you're gonna meet him. You're gonna have plenty of him later when Obi Wan Kenobi goes after him. You know, I mean, like I don't understand why. I don't care right now. I like I need to get out of this sequence somehow. <laughs> I think they addressed it in the Clone Wars that like they showed why like he had like a cough or something like that. But like I don't necessarily know why. You know. Clone Wars, you know, cartoon came out afterwards. It's like, so why he had to have this, like, cough in this movie? And then it's just like, okay, I get it. He's like, of even a sicker version of Darth Vader in in a way in the sense of just like more machine than man now or whatever kind of creature he is. And I also think that they were trying to say, look, we have a fully CG character that doesn't look crappy, right? Like because he's more of a robot kind of thing. Like he actually looks like in place, even if you don't think he's cool looking, like he looks like at least he looks like he's there as opposed yeah. to like, you know, the softer sort of more flesh based alien characters they've tried to integrate. I think that was part of the deal definitely like foreshadowing vader which i did not pick up on at all whatsoever as this was going on all i was saying was like oh he's a it's a robot army and he's a robot and he runs the army and that's the whole idea and (laughs) yeah it's like they needed like some kind of droid leader then i guess he is more i mean he's got that heart that obi-wan shoots with such an uncivilized weapon but just like those are moments, I uh, you know I I like that little moment. I like that little line because it goes back to the original one and just saying for a more civilized time. So my favorite part of this movie is sort of around um, right before Obi Wan goes off to like hunt down General Grievous, like the. Palpatine takes Anakin into his quarters and he's like, I'm gonna like recommend you to be on the council. I need you to be my eyes and ears and like hook me up mm-hmm. with all the kind of info going on about the war and, and what they're thinking and all this kind of stuff. And after that scene he goes to he goes to see Obi Wan and Obi Wan's like, The Jedi need you to spy on your friend Palpatine for us and let us know everything that's going on with him and <laughs> like we need we don't trust him. He, we know he doesn't trust us. I was like, that is the fucking bomb right there because like I like that scene because it 
it puts Anakin in that very precarious position, you know? Again, uh, like, Obi-Wan's like, you must, like, be able to sense, like, something is wrong with this guy. And, and, and Anakin just, like, lies straight up to his face, and he's like, you're right, something's up. And, like, totally doesn't care whatsoever. It's like, I don't know, like, those moments don't seem like much but like upon rewatching that really jumped out at me there's an ability here to be complex and emotional and almost like shakespearean i guess yeah well no that's definitely i mean they're going for a shakespearean like greek tragedy here like that's definitely what this movie is and even just like there's you're clearly drawing it towards the fall of the Roman Empire and going from you know democracy to a, you know even like you know republic to Caesar. Yeah, like there there are the bones here for like good stuff, but doesn't help that I mean it just in length, in poor dialogue, and then lack of direction to some you know some inexperienced actors. The role of Anakin was also up. I remember reading back in the day, Leonardo DiCaprio and James Vanderbeek were two. I think it was a wise idea to look for someone new to play him because you were going to sure. surround him with so many known actors already. And that, yeah. that's something that, I don't know if that helped or hurt this because that's something that the original trilogy didn't have to think about. They were all unknown. I mean, you had your knowns in your, well, Alec Guinness, you know, but they weren't... Alec Guinness and uh, Peter Cushing. They weren't big stars in America. They, you know, those guys were British horror and comedy guys. Like they, I mean, they were definitely... Definitely, like, known in some pretty, like, you know, hit American movies, I I think. I mean, at this point, like, you know, I mean, Natalie Portman isn't, like, a star star. When this movie's being made. Yeah, yeah. Well, she had been a big child star. She had done, like, The Professional and Beautiful Girls. She had been in a bunch of stuff, but I hear what you're saying. This was sort of going to make her more of a mainstream adult Like, I mean, the biggest name is probably Samuel Jackson, because even, like, you know, Hugh McGregor at this point, I mean, we have Shallow Grave and Transpotting, but, you know. You know what's weird about this movie, too, is that I can't get a handle. Like, it it keeps reminding me that time works differently uh, depending on what planet you're on, because it seems like uh, half the movie is Obi-Wan over wherever he is with the clone troopers fighting General Grievous, okay? Yeah. There, he's on, like, that world. On Utah, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, and it's, like, all daytime there. And then the rest of the movie at the time, Anakin's on Coruscant going back and forth between the opera and the Chancellor and the Jedi Council and Padme, and it goes from, like, day to night, day to night, day to night, and so, like, it feels as if the battle is, like, over the course of one day on that planet, but Anakin is, like, living three days in the course of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm having trouble, but I kind of think that's... I don't think it's intentional at all. I think it's just me trying to come to terms with, like, a lack of continuity or something like that, or just trying to figure out how long this is all happening over and everything. But, like, up until Order 66 is executed, it's, like, this crazy, like, back and forth between Obi-Wan in a battle, Anakin, like, in a room talking to some guy in a chair. It's just the weirdest. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that definitely doesn't help. But it, I guess they need to be, I mean, like they needed to be separate. So we got like the, yeah. you know, Palpatine, Anakin stuff. Cause that's also like, they really didn't show any of that in 
past movies. And you know what, too, man? Like, Ian McDermott's so good as the Chancellor at this point as Palpatine. When oh, that, well, that opera scene is, like, my favorite scene. The opera scene's really cool, and, like, it doesn't... F- it's really well-directed, too, which makes me question if, like, Spielberg came in and directed that one day or something, <laughs> as a, you know? But, like, not only that, but when he reveals himself to Anakin, and he's like, you know, I'm a Sith Lord, like, what are you gonna do? Like, arrest me, or what? And, and Anakin kind of doesn't know what to do. There's just the way he plays it in both of those scenes so non-threatening so like this like this is the right way so i I mean he's just such a good actor like i'm amazed at what he's able to do with some of these lines and some of the dialogue yeah he's he's chewing up this non-existent scenery (laughs) (laughs) but no like i said earlier he's having he's really having so much fun with it which because i think he gets to play i mean you know obviously playing the bad guy you know actors always say is like more fun but he also gets to expand the lore and talk about cool yes. star wars shit we want to hear like this is the shit oh, i yeah. came for you yeah. know darth it's like Plagueis, i yeah. want to see how darth vader was influenced like what is the kind of stuff that he wanted to learn about and we find out oh he's trying like in this one we find out that oh darth Plagueis might have been able to create life but he might have also been able to keep people from dying too and it's like all right that is enough of a motive for me to turn to the dark side you know what i'm saying like that's good and like they, yeah that they try to explore some of that is nice but like there's so much more they can go so deeper if they just focus you know what i mean like if he just focused <laughs> i don't know there was too much stuff going on in all in the other two movies that by the time like this they're like oh shit we have to get him to become like darth vader like not just darth vader but like in the suit right now. do you think that um now that we have the shows and stuff like the obi-wan show is supposed to take place during this era right like with all the clone war the end of the clone war thing do you think that maybe they might take more time to elaborate on this kind of stuff through those shows you know not till now did i have the thought of will they do some flashback stuff. And it would be very interesting if we got to see him and like Hayden Christensen and have some conversations. Do you think if they did a Darth Vader show, they'd use Hayden Christensen? Like, that would be pretty cool, right? Uh, I mean, you know, he's in the suit. Well, because he takes the suit off from, t- you know, he. I'm sure he. we would they would be able to do some stuff with the suit off and you would see, oh, it's actually Hayden Christensen and stuff. But like, you know, having Vader in Obi-Wan's show should probably happen, right? Like we should check in on that. It's all happening sort of along the same time and everything. Yeah, I mean, just even there's been hints and there's been like theories that, you know, the next meeting of the two of them isn't on the Death Star, that there was like other stuff. But then also at the same time, I don't know how, like, I watched, like, all of the Cartoon Rebels show, and we get... The Darth Maul encounter? Yeah. Like, we get, a you know, Darth Maul, who is brought back in the Clone Wars. And in Solo, a Star Wars story. And in Solo now, yes, in Solo. But we finally see... And I, I love it. It's such a perfect, quick... It's like a samurai battle, right? Yeah, exactly. And just shows, at, like, how at, like, peace Obi-Wan is. And just he's been, like, studying and has come to terms with, like, everything for the most part in these 20 years on tattooing. But, you know, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff in this Obi-Wan TV series. Like, people might be coming for Luke or something like that. Like, there might be these Inquisitors that we've met in the Star Wars Rebel series. Or, I don't know, so- some things maybe, like, in the early stages he is 
helping start the rebellion, but they realize, like, oh no, the rebellion's gonna be sought out because Darth Vader senses you, like, stuff like that. I mean, The Mandalorian's eight episodes, so at most, this Obi-Wan show is gonna be eight episodes. For some reason, I have a thought in my head, I heard that six episodes, I don't, I don't you know. You could have Jimmy exactly. Smith's come back, that's for sure. Yeah, Jimmy, yeah, exactly, Jimmy Smith's, I mean, he made the, he, he made, he made a cameo in Rogue One. I think Liam Neeson, I think he's gonna talk with Liam Neeson, because that's what's hinted at at the end of this movie, is that his old master Qui-Gon has learned ways. The whole Force Ghost thing, which is a huge part of Star Wars now, is just, a th- like, a throwaway line at the end of this movie. Of all the things, though, that's what bugs me. Like, of all the things that he's gonna just sort of gloss over, it's gonna be, like, creating Force Ghosts. It should have been bigger than meeting C-3PO without his skin on, you know what I'm saying? Like, we got more service paid to that. Yeah, exactly. Like, in this in this world where Darth, he becomes Darth Vader at the end of Episode 2, my Episode 3 would have had, when shit hits the fan, like, there should have been, like, we need to have a backup plan. Or, like, Yoda in the end, all of a sudden, Obi-Wan walks in and Yoda is talking with other fallen Jedi, including Qui-Gon or something like that. I don't know. They had no reason to believe that they were being screwed over at all whatsoever. Like, the Jedi just kind of were like, yep, this is, there's nothing, there's no, you know, this is exactly how it is, there's no ulterior motive to any of this kind of stuff. I mean, it's the arrogance of the Jedi that is their, like, downfall. Just as the Jedi have their Jedi mind tricks, like the, you know, the Sith shroud in secrecy and kind of create, like, a, you know, cloudiness that doesn't help the Jedi see, and obviously, like, Yoda has visions and stuff like that, but these visions don't always seem to be true, but obviously then Anakin has visions of Padme dying and then we find out in the end it's because of him, you know, it's the old catch-22, and, and then, I mean, obviously then we get that horrible, no! Oh yeah, we're gonna get to the no. I want to talk about the moment when Anakin turns, because it's one of the times when the movie just turns it on really hard, and, like, shit just happens yeah. left and right, and, like, so Sam Jackson goes to arrest Palpatine with, like, three or four high-ranking Yes, Jedi. four of them total, two of them fall right away. Yeah, what I love is Sam Jackson's like, I'm here to arrest you, and Palpatine's like, oh yeah, I'm a Sith Lord, and, like, they just start fighting. I am the Senate. <laughs> It's just like, boom, like they're into it. And then the fight is like in such a small, closed in, awkward place. It's like in his office. It's just so weird. Yeah, it's in his boardroom. Like they couldn't have waited until he was like leaving for the day and and, like... It's in his tower. It's absolutely tremendous. They should have like accosted him outside of the temp of like his like Senate building and had a big fight on the steps. Yeah, or found out he had a secret Sith temple, like worship room in there or something crazy and tall ceilings, cathedral-like. Sam Jackson's about to (laughs) kill this guy, and he's using the Force lightning on him, and it's, like, backfiring, and that's what's turning him old and ugly, which I just thought he was, like, a thousand years old. Which is bullshit, because unless through vanity or whatever reason, he then does that to his helpers. If you look in Return of the Jedi, his, like, hand servants look the same as, like, like they're supposed to be another species. When that started happening to him, I thought that that was like, oh, he he had, like, a facade or something that he used the Force to, like, make himself look one way, and this is how he's actually revealing himself to, as the way he really looks or something. But uh, originally, I just thought, like, oh, in, in Return of the Jedi, I was like, oh, he's, like, a thousand or whatever. Like, he's just super old Yeah, and stuff. yeah, exactly, yeah. Anakin comes in and just straight up fucking shafts Sam Jackson, like, chops off his arm, and then Sam Jackson gets lightninged out the window and everything, and, and that's how he becomes Darth Vader? Like, okay... Yeah, but then right away falls on his knees. What have I 
done. It sounds like such a Mel Brooks line, like, the 15, the 10 commandments. Like, <laughs> My bigger issue is I don't feel it. I can't live without her. Like, it's not, it would be one thing I feel like if him and Sam Jackson, like, threw down, but he sucker punches him. And, like, that, like, that, it's just, like, you just have to display the instinct, I guess, or something, yeah. where it's, like, the intent, basically, like, from then on, you know that he is the dark side because he reacts without thinking and he acts through anger and fear. He needed Palpatine to tell him to chop off Dooku's head, but now this one, besides Palpatine manipulating him and like, Anakin, help me, I'm dying! Like, besides, like, that, his skin melting and teeth rotting while, you know, because of, I guess, the dark side energy. You know, but Anakin makes that, like, decision on his own. But then even right away, he's like, it shouldn't have been like, what have I done? It's just like, right away, you just should have then seen, like, those yellow Sith eyes or something like that and which he doesn't even have right away but then he kind of does when he does like a little look to the camera and then he doesn't about to kill the separatists yeah then he doesn't yeah exactly it's weird because like by him saying that you feel like oh he has remorse and regret and like he shouldn't be darth vader yet he should have just been like good like now that that's over what's next like who do you want me to kill next and then the emperor would be like go slaughter all the kids and he'd be like word and just take off and do that instead of being like yeah crying yeah about it. exactly like i mean there still could have been a little bit of empathy in the sense that like we do see that he loves padme and he's like saying to her like we can rule the galaxy together well that's what he's that doing speech. it for yeah well, yeah exactly because then we get that speech later on in uh in empire does he say it? no well he tries to convince luke because in this one he's like you and i like i'm gonna take he's like i'm gonna take the emperor out it's gonna be you and me padme and then in in empire he's like luke like it's gonna be you and me dude like i'm gonna take out the emperor yeah yeah but yeah exactly so you could still have like a little bit like seeing like i guess padme and then before like obi-wan finds out and stuff like that and you know it can still be obviously very tough you know for obi-wan and him saying kind of the same stuff like but you were my brother and that kind of thing but like it's all stuff that just feels rushed at the end of this see that's the thing is like now now we're getting what we all came for he's darth vader he's gonna do some devil shit and he's gonna fight obi-wan kenobi right like that's the next thing we need to see this needed to be the end of episode two like this scene right here needed to be at the moment of the same thing you know like yes okay people's hands would have been getting chopped off but people's hands get chopped or limbs get chopped off in every movie now and even like event like every marvel movie makes sure that happens too somehow something that's like super crazy though is like when we get to order 66 yeah that means that there's a chance that obi-wan kenobi is going to be murdered before he even gets a chance to fight anakin you know what i mean like that is so strange because we know that's not going to happen so why even put him in that type of peril i remember sitting there and i was like i was having a pretty good time watching this in theaters it was like you know one of those midnight screenings the night it came out i was there with a yeah. friend we were having a good time and then this order 66 shit happens and i was like i was having so much trouble like comprehending what was about to go down and it's like not that i don't think it's interesting that there was like this turn where where all the clone troopers turned on the generals and killed all the jedi it's not like i don't think that's cool that there was like a mutiny of some kind it's just that they were programmed into the clones from the beginning and that the emperor had like some kind of secret kill switch and it was so jarring i still can't really reconcile it exactly in star wars it's hard yeah it's it's fleshed out a bit more in the star wars rebels okay and we get to see some older clone troopers and 
and they have a bit of like yeah you know like they they figured out that they had chips in them but yeah it's never really like even it's not said in these movies but to go back to my original thing of saying like you hear about the clone wars in the original movie and you don't know what that is like that stuff is fine but when you have like a big plot point you can't do that you need to have some other kind of illusion towards that in like show that when they're on what's the water planet that they that the clones come from Camino Camino, yeah. But, I mean, supposedly even when the original one was coming out, when they were watching cuts, they are like, oh, what's going on? I mean, this happens for so many movies, and then you put the score to it, the soundtrack, and it ties it all together, like, at least with the Order 66 part, like, the piece of music, that track is really good, and I, I, I like listening to it, and it has, I think, like, a good emotional resonance for the murder montage (laughs) yeah for the murder montage but then it does get like so you're like oh wait okay the clones are just flipping like that because we don't know that there's like chips in their heads right you know again you have to i guess then you have to use your imagination you assume something but you know but then yeah you get like the youngling like master skywalker what's happening you know just like and then you see so yeah the siege of the jedi temple is like epic and like that should been that like if you want to flesh out a 20 minute battle that should have been the opening for this movie Right. It's good call. Exactly. You want a big, crazy opening? Because we saw that, like, really, I don't want to say boring battle with the big lizard thing that Obi-Wan's riding, but, like, this battle would have been way better, like, to see a bunch of Jedi getting, like, taken out by all the clone troopers and everything, and then Anakin, like, opening the door and seeing, like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to, like, kill at least six or seven, like, little, little kids. Like, that's messed up. For Star Wars, like, that is dark. And then the Emperor does turn on the Separatists, like, they were just pawns in his plan as well. But it should have been, like, like all of a sudden, like a droid clone army team up to take down the Jedi. That would have been interesting too, and it could have waited until he made his Senate address, right? Like he makes the Senate address, and then everything is sort of binded in legislation or whatever you want to call it. He has immediate power, and he can just be like, "Okay, so now the Jedi are the traitors, and so everyone after them." And then instead of in Order sixty six, it's just a hunt and kill kind of massacre kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. you understand why a clone trooper would just sort of suddenly turn around and either like kill or arrest like the commanding Jedi officer or whatever. Yeah, and then even the right then that would have been good to have Anakin standing by his side like it would have been like Mace Windu you know, of the Jedi Council came with his goons to kill me and luckily enough we have hero Anakin Skywalker because he has become something of like a legend in this war, like people do know his name, so Star Warrior saves the Chancellor. Do you know there's apparently, I didn't watch them and i don't think i've ever seen them but they're somewhere on my original dvd there's like a lot of deleted footage of the rebellion sparking so like padme and jimmy smiths and like their friends and stuff there's like a bunch of scenes with them on coruscant like meeting secretly like saying like shit is terrible like we need a backup plan like i'm pregnant like something needs to go down fun fact about that there was a scene with mon mothma and then they ended up using the same actress to play mon mothma in rogue one but even like i mean jimmy spitz like you know you're gonna be getting to like alderaan and princess leia going there like he should have been in like more of these prequel movies we're almost at the end yeah why don't we close this out and talk about mustafar you mentioned earlier like anakin gets sent there his eyes start glowing when he murders all of the uh separatist leaders you got the droid army leader you got those guys from the banking guild you got basically every all the the bad aliens right you got the guys from the very first movie from like the first scene of the of episode one on the the blockade ship and then padme shows up trying to plead with anakin and obi-wan stowed away and anakin 
Anakin jumps to like super conclusions when he's like, you're together. And Padme's like, no, you moron. Like, I love you. And Anakin chokes his pregnant wife out. If well, you weren't yeah, against I mean, them. At, th- at this point, yeah, exactly. I mean, the Sith, the, the anger, the fear, like everything's, you know, like... In order to redeem himself, he better, like, I don't know, sacrifice himself for his son one day or something. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. gonna take that. <laughs> but we get... I mean, this is the moment I've been... I've been waiting for this moment for, like, half my life up until this point. The battle between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. But I, I seriously never expected... I don't know why I just didn't expect him not to be in his armor for this battle. Like, I understand understand like this is why he gets his armor but my mind at the time was like where's his helmet like where's his cape? yeah like that slash i mean i guess it's yeah once he's then in the suit then he gets his red lightsaber but that's again what should have been like if he became darth vader at the end of that one imagine episode three i said it should have began with like the battle at the at the jedi temple or whatever but imagine if this movie just started out with like just seeing like the red kyber crystal and like him making his lightsaber and then that glow it's very weird that he doesn't have a red lightsaber already at this point. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's because it's just, it's rushed, and so in the sense of he had no time after going to the temple and then going to Mustafar. See, like, I even feel like if you're going to have a scene where the Emperor's like, I dubbed the Darth Vader, you hand him his new lightsaber and say, now you are Sith, and, like, you have red lightsaber, like, go forth, my son, like, that whole thing. So the fact that Obi-Wan doesn't even have, like, a green lightsaber, they're both using blue, hurts my eyes a little bit. (laughs) As cool as this is, man, again, it's just too much like i mean i know they cut it back and forth between the yoda fight with the emperor and like it's just fun by virtue of how ridiculous it looks like you got like this crazy old albino guy and like this tiny little green old man like kicking the shit out of each other it's kind of fun for that and then when we're cutting back to anakin and obi-wan i'm exhausted yeah it's like the opposite of their fight on the Death Star. And it's kind of made fun of as, like, old man versus, like, robot. And we had, like, Alec Guinness and then, like, David Prowse, who's just, you know, clunky big guy in, like, this plastic suit and how it just wasn't really, like, it was, like, hitting one another with broomsticks. It's like, let's amp this up. And it just gets so crazy to even at one point they're just swinging swinging and not contacting one another and again the only the thing that like saves it for me in this movie is like the brief bits of dialogue because i do believe ewan mcgregor when he's like you were my brother anakin you know and that kind of stuff and uh and then and then the music again the music is what saves it for me i get we don't have a lava planet and we're not getting like this has to be cgi it just gets too ridiculous there's no reason that like they needed to hit that board and and then, like, all of a sudden the reactor goes and stuff like that. They just needed to be battling on, like, a lava planet. And then eventually, like, he does the cocky move of... I mean, who? Th- this is where all of us learned if you have the high ground. You know, like, that's that's <laughs> it. That's You know, there's certain movies that you learn things about battle. Like, you know, The Patriot, I learned aim small, miss small. While I'm aiming, I will be on the high ground. And no one will be able to defeat me. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it's very awkwardly staged there at the end for such like an important historical moment in Star Wars lore. Anakin and Obi-Wan wind up floating on these like little mechanical devices in the lava and then like that's what he like it's just a little weird. It's just very weird to watch for me but I, I love it conceptually. I just wish it was toned down way more because I lose the emotion like I lose 
the passion like it just it, it becomes so cookie cutter and so like almost matrix it's just like every other kung fu thing that i've seen instead of like emotional star wars battle or something from the heart it's also extremely brutal at the end when obi-wan is not fucking around like he commits and he handicaps anakin he cuts off both arms of oh, the remaining arm and his other two legs yeah, it's kind of crazy in like the swipe he's just like i'll leave the robotic arm and, and then he like leaves him there and th- this is the one point of hayden christensen acting slash like over the top like spit is coming out of his mouth and he like his eyes are all bulging because like of cutting off of the limbs like, i hate you stuff called. Yeah, when he starts going, I hate you! That's the one moment that I'm like, oh shit. Like, that to me, I liked, slash, I was a fan of. They finally get there. They get there in the very last minute. This is the hate we needed to see, like, coming out of him, which the moments where it does happen, it's so quick and over with, or that cut away from him massacring the Sand People and Attack of the Clones. I think they did well with like Kylo Ren is when they showed him having his hissy fits right like we needed more of that stuff with Anakin where it was just like we're there it's like where it's just like we're out of milk we're out of milk like motherfucking we're out of milk and then he just yeah. like punches a droid like through the fucking wall or something well, yeah know? or or using the force to crush shit or just using it more frivolously in general to make his life easier oh yeah just I mean even like I mean while it's a romantic scene he floats that apple and like cuts it and gives it to Padme and Attack of the Clones. Mm, imagine other like, uh, Force abilities mm, during Coitus. Hey now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the kind of shit and it almost needs to be like reprimanded but like while the war is going on they have to have every soldier they can so like there could have been like those kind of excuses versus or or just the idea that he's in such a small circle and he's more of like oh there's general skywalker or whatever like no one really knows him personally right except for like a couple people and the people that do are really worried about him yeah i mean he has a secret baby and secret relationship with padme yeah exactly he didn't even tell his best friend he didn't you know he didn't even tell his emperor or whatever like everyone figured it out but like yeah he's a secret keeper like the only one that he trusts is padme and then by the end of this he doesn't really trust her he's too paranoid yeah which again they like they show like in this film like the paranoia and just like him like they say we're gonna grant you a seat on this council but not the you know rank of master he's like what there just needed to be more of that through these films and you get that by using those crawls and explaining certain things to us and being like there's the greatest jedi quite possibly is now part of the Jedi Order and his name is Anakin Skywalker and he's being trained specifically by Obi-Wan who's already like a master on the council and Yoda's even overseeing it because they need this because we, we are in the time of like war and shrouded and we know the Sith are coming back. In the end of the day, the bit, one of the biggest things I, I hope that they do, I would love since like Disney owns it. I would love for them to take like the negatives and I would love for them to go back and just like fix the CGI of these movies. I don't think they will to these. I think that the special editions have been tooled with too much for people to accept anymore. I mean, they already went back and they fixed Yoda from Phantom Menace, right? Well, not fixed, but they replaced the they puppet. They made him, yeah, exactly. They were like, let's just make them all, th- all three of them will be digital now. That puppet did look weird though. Oh, yeah. Like, they were no, like, we need rough. to make him a little younger, but it's like, okay, 20 years younger, he doesn't need to look like crazy different. There's only one or two more scenes of interest here that we really need to talk about. The first one, of course, is Darth Vader getting his armor and his his limbs and everything put on the big the big Frankenstein scene cross cut with the other major scene of Luke and Leia being born. Yeah, supposedly 
there's a Darth Vader comics going out right now, like a series. I guess it'll become like, you know, they'll put them together and it'll be like one solid graphic novel or something like that. But I read an article recently. I didn't read the comic. I don't even know where you go to buy comics anymore. Supposedly in this Darth Vader series, they go into much more like his internal like monologue of what he's thinking when the mask is going on. Supposedly it just makes the scene that much better like once you read that and you understand what he's thinking but in this scene like we get crappy like they're not even using real makeup we get crappy burnt like hayden christensen like cgi hayden christensen the one thing i love is that the emperor doesn't lie to him as far as the emperor knows he's telling him the truth about padme right where he's like what happened to padme it's really weird to hear james earl jones say padme but the emperor is like oh in your anger you choked her and she died and that that is exactly what happened he's not lying yeah exactly that's how it's at least played like i don't know how he came palpatine actually came to think that because obviously they have the funeral for her so then it's like known in the senate that like padme is dead but it's not like it's known and said that like she and anakin were you it know. was foreseen yeah <laughs> I mean, Darth Vader doesn't even say, I guess when he says, like, when it's like, you killed her, he's like, you know, like, if you think Padme would have been weird, if it's like, imagine if then you heard James Earl Jones goes, and the baby, like, you know, <laughs> like, but he doesn't ask about, like, the potential, you know. That's true, he doesn't ask about the kids at all. Yeah. Then do get a cool moment when he, like I said, he starts, like, crushing all that shit, and he, like, Shows pulls off power. it, but then we get that no that then they also now have in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, so that was shocking when I first saw this. I was like, we're at the end of the movie here i'm ready to go home like finally got darth vader in his armor like all right it's like it's two hours too late but whatever here we are then he has to scream that that is just terrible do you not think it's terrible it's okay no i don't i don't know i don't like it but like i get what they're going for because it's the same it's like luke has that no in empire so i get what they're going for and obviously you need to have some kind of like it's just the wrong no like maybe he shouldn't said the word no or maybe that's the wrong kind of no or it's just also very weird to see darth vader have such a visceral verbal reaction right i think you're right i think if he had just screamed and not verbalized anything it would have played a hell of a lot better but the fact that he literally picked the word no and is like yeah you like, know stretching it out and if he was just like rah, rah, yeah exactly just raw noises are like no 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 and just like and then crushed it like but just the long no and then we end with obi-wan well, we have Jimmy Smith's taking Leia. Yeah, because they always wanted a girl that, you know, he and his wife can't have kids. Uh, Which is a whole other Marvel Disney Plus miniseries uh, coming I would soon. love more Jimmy Smith's, and that's why I do hope that he is in the Obi-Wan thing. I was very happy to see him in Rogue One. So Growing up, Alderaan. All the wrong places. <laughs> All the wrong places, exactly. We actually end on the shot, I forgot we ended on the shot of uh, Obi-Wan handing Luke over to uh, his aunt and uncle. I totally yeah. I, I totally forgot that that's the last shot of the movie, on the Double Sons. We get the great, is that like Luke's theme? What is, what, is oh, I, I think the it's just title. the, is it, you know, it's like the, the, the dual son Tatooine theme. Yeah, like exactly. Like that longing. theme comes back, and we get Uncle Owen and and. Veru standing there, you know, holding baby Luke and looking off into the sunset like we get to see Luke do. Yeah, man. Wow. There's there's a lot going on in these prequels and 
each of them they're so dense and so packed with so much i mean look at they're just trying to wrap up everything so much when they're on that moon when uh padme is giving birth and then you know Jimmy Smith, you know, says, like, all right, Captain Antilles, like, these droids are yours, and just, like, wipe the protocol droid's mind, but it's just like, but keep R2-D2s? Why not wipe both of them? Because, you know what? Again, like, when Obi-Wan sees R2, I know there's, like, multiple types of droids out there, but then wouldn't R2 whistle and be like, Obi-Wan, remember, it's me. Like, I've known you for 40 years now. It is crazy, because it almost feels like at the very end here, they're like, oh, shit, we got 10 minutes left. What else we got to do? Oh, uh, by the we way... We need to put him this- in a suit. Padme needs to die. Twins need to be born need to separate to each planet you know how they're like on that medical asteroid or whatever and it's like oh uh someone wants to dock their ship here the millennium falcon yeah exactly i mean that's what the that's what the wookies feel like in this it does feel like why are they here again exactly oh because they were supposed to be in return of the jedi it's like yeah but they don't fit at all like they're just here to be here and unfortunately that's how to me a lot of those prequels feel they're just there to be there there's not much like yeah. real guts or real story to sort of hold on to and what's there isn't necessarily told like coherently so it's a struggle for me to watch these movies from time to time george lucas just forgot the fundamentals like it doesn't need to be the carbon copy because then we see that with force awakens and i do enjoy force awakens but obviously like it just jj had a really tough job like people were out of touch with star wars in the sense of they had a bad taste in their mouth from the prequels and then like what route do you do and i I think he did a very you know a very good job with force awakens but it was a little bit too much like of a carbon copy of the original a carbon frozen copy gonna take you in cold or warm (laughs) i gotta thank you again from the bottom of my heart leaf brother kyle thank you again for joining me to talk about all things star wars where can listeners of third time is a charm find you if they gotta get more of kyle reinfried how can they check you out yeah so guys i am part of two shows on the cage club podcast network i have my own show it's called foodie films and that's where i discuss it's kind of two different episodes that i i have i have ones that i highlight food-centric movies and then i have episodes called first cuts so at those episodes, I have people that have had uh, success in, in the food and drink industry. So those are really fun episodes. And uh, But we still always make time. I, I ask them what their favorite films are. And uh, we I always try to find some food and drink scenes from some of their favorite films. Uh, then, like I said, I have the regular episodes. And then I am now on P.S. I Love Hoffman was the first podcast I ever had. And that was with Brian Rodriguez, the unofficial co-host, I think, of Third Time's a Charm by now. And boy, that's going to be... How old is that going to be? Is that going to be this i know we started releasing in march i guess like three years ago yeah just about so we took a note from you and joey and we started doing it's going to be a year uh completed of ps i still love hoffman where we have the hoff fans vote on uh we give them two options and they vote for what movie they want us to watch and we do kind of like a dvd commentary so that's fun uh so yeah check if you if you like my voice check out those podcasts and you can always find me on facebook on instagram on twitter i'm on as uh, foodie films media on those yeah so and obviously you know it's just really easy they made it you guys made it really easy on the cage club website you just go on there all the great podcasts we have on there and you can find us pretty easy on that uh format well i guess until next time kyle may the force be with you
that's going to do it for this episode of Third Time's a Charm. Gotta thank Kyle. Be sure to check out Foodie Films, PSLF Hoffman, PSI Stoloff Hoffman. Also wanted to mention, if you go to YouTube, check out Star Wars The Third Gathers, Backstroke of the West HD. Uh, it's like a bootleg version of Star Wars Episode 3 that contains hilariously poor Chinese-to-English translated subtitles. Fridays are for fun. Every Friday, check out Tom Tom Club, the Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise podcast hosted by Joey and myself. We alternate Toms every Friday with Hanks for the Memories and Cruise Club as we cover the extensive filmographies of those two Toms. Go to cageclub.me for all the back episodes of this show as well as access to all 26 shows on the network. Go explore and have fun. Go to Cage Club Pod on Twitter and Instagram to get all kinds of updates on what's happening on the network at all times. Write to me at 3 at cageclub.me. That's going to do it for this episode. So until next time... That's the magic number. Three. It's the magic number. Three. Three may stop at me, and that's the magic number. What does it all mean?